A few months ago, I was standing outside a restaurant after having just eaten there with some friends, and we were waiting for our cars to be pulled up by the valet. Now, I was just standing in my cassock, as is proper for any cleric, denoted by canon law, and as we were standing there, uh, a gentleman with, I assume, his wife were, was walking into the restaurant, and he looked at me in my cassock, and he pointed his finger angrily at me, and he just yelled, Matthew 23, 9. <laughs> now, I'm familiar with the scriptures, but you got to be a little bit more specific than that. I just don't have automatic recall. So I retorted to the man, you got to give me some context. I have no idea what we're talking about here. And then he said, call no man on earth your father. It's like, All right, have a great day. <laughs> just waiting for my car. His intention, I believe, is rooted in a good place, right? His desire to lead people to ultimate truth executed in a poor manner because it uses a, a literal translation uh, meaning for the text of Scripture. In his mind, the Scripture says it, therefore that settles it. But remember, as Catholics, we are not a solo scriptura people. So looking at the larger context of the readings today, we see that priests and religious leaders have a specific warning leveled against them. But it isn't a title about, I'm sorry, it isn't a warning about specific titles. Rather, it's elucidating that the conduct with which we comport ourselves is important. The translation is actions speak louder than words. You can call me the Supreme Chancellor of the Charlottesville Corridor for all I care. It doesn't change who I am. But in the words of St. Augustine, if a priest is not living a priestly life, his preaching and really his life are in vain. More so than an injunction against titles, the larger context for the readings today warn against erroneous behavior of leaders. For they preach, but they do not practice. They burden others with things they themselves are not willing to do. They only perform their religious duties so that they can win accolades and esteem from others. Those are the people that should not be called rabbi, father, or master, because they have earned none of those titles. Jesus says that the religious leaders have taken the seat of Moses, meaning the seat of judgment that Moses used to actually sit in when judging cases that could not be settled by a lower court. So the analogy that Jesus is using today is that the religious leaders of his time are sitting in judgment of all the people, while themselves not being willing to submit to that same standard of judgment and punishment. And sure, you've never met a Catholic priest like that. But anyway, St. <laughs> John Vianney warns us as clerics that we must be lions in the pulpit but lambs in the confessional. He cautions us this way because he does not want us to forget our humanity, even though as priests we act in persona Christi. We hold the fragile state of someone's humanity in our hands as they timidly come forth to admit the worst parts of their life. True devastation can be accomplished if the priest is not delicate. That is not to say that he should be a pushover or minimize the sin confessed. However, 
the priest must remember that he is first a sinner, and on any other day he may find himself on the other side of the confessional, seeking that same forgiveness and understanding. The readings are clear that religious leaders, priests, rabbis, etc., should be of good, upstanding character, practicing what they preach and remembering mercy. But this is not just good advice for those clerics among us. This extends to everyone or anyone who is a leader. If you're in charge of one person or a hundred people or more, a good leader is often one who doesn't forget what it's like not to be in charge. Leading from the front, commiserating with those who have the worst jobs, trying to make the lives of those under their guidance easier are all the marks of a good leader. If a leader forgets what it's like to be a worker, the power of the role often disconnects them from the humanity of those that they oversee. That's when abuse of power is easily committed. This happens in the corporate, medical, financial, and political domains. People start with an ideal that they can be a positive force for change, and by the time they are in a position of power, they have compromised so much along the way that they no longer can be effective in the cause that they wanted to change. One of the great joys of being a priest is interacting with families of the parish and those families that I know all over the diocese. It's always very interesting to watch children of all ages learning in real time. The way a child will turn their head to continue to listen to what the parent is saying, even though they appear to not be paying attention anymore. The mimicking of speech and behavior, often moments after the parent says or does something. The retelling of stories that they know are family favorites as they grow and share, the, share more of the familial shared memory. As one of my favorite sitcoms describes parenting, it's like having a dog that slowly learns to talk. But I am aware of the fact that children are sponges and that they are constantly watching and learning everything that their parents do. As such, parents have a responsibility to be teachers of the faith to their children. Religious leaders are sanctioned in the readings explicitly. Priests and religious figures are held to a high standard. We've already established that. However, the words of the rite of baptism Hold, a parent, sorry, hold parents and godparents to an equally high standard. As the parents and godparents of the child being baptized, they are questioned about their readiness and willingness to assume the responsibilities of raising this child in the faith. In the five years that I have been doing baptisms, I have never had anyone say no when I question them if they are ready and willing to raise their child in the faith. Yet 12 to 15 years later, those same parents who enthusiastically said yes will confess something like this. Father, my children don't go to church anymore and, and they just don't seem to care. I don't understand. Yet the same parent in that same confession will just have gotten done confessing that they've missed mass and holy days of obligation as well as not making prayer a priority in their life over the last 20 years nor have they endeavored to do anything more than send their child to religious education class. And yet somehow, they are still perplexed. Where could the child have learned this idea that religion isn't important and doesn't affect my daily life?
I say this not from a place of judgment like the religious leaders in the readings. I'm merely pointing out a cause and effect. We are constantly living up to or disappointing the name and office of Christian. My thoughts, words, actions, and inactions weave together to create the true picture of me as a Christian. We can try and present to the world whatever we wish, but people can see through it if we are not living authentic lives. If our lives and actions are not in line with the gospel, then it is easy to figure out. Usually the dead giveaway is the lack of peace that the person contains. St. Augustine is famous for saying, Our hearts are restless until they rest in you, O Lord. It sounds like a rephrasing of the psalm that we sang today. Our psalm today says that we have found peace in the Lord. Knowing the Lord in this life leads to internal peace of heart amidst a world of strife and confusion. Serving the Lord leads to a joy that cannot be attained in any other way. So the work of a Christian is to know the Lord and have his peace in our hearts so that when we interact with the rest of humanity, we do so with a concern, a genuine concern, for their well-being. Last week in the Gospel, Jesus told the scribes and the Pharisees that the two greatest commandments were to love the Lord your God and your neighbor as yourself. This week, we are to know the peace of the Lord in our hearts first and then allow the love that we feel from God to inform all of our interactions with the rest of humanity. It seems like the gospel message is pretty consistent. No matter what position we find ourselves in, the CEO of a large company or just in charge and responsible of myself, as a baptized Catholic, we have the duty to live up to the name of Christian. When we do not, we have no one else to blame except ourselves. When we excel, we have no one else to thank except God. If we do not contain the level of peace we wish we had, then we should spend focused effort in prayer with the Lord every day. If we do not feel we carry that love well to others, then we should ask the Lord to increase the love we have in our hearts first. The best news is that none of us live up to what we should. That is the whole reason we come to church. We do not come because we are already perfect and want to prove it to others. We come because we are broken people, but we believe that the Lord can make us whole.